Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. My name is Al, and I'm here with my best buddy, D. You got, you got some pep. <laughs> I did, because you made me a coffee. And you ate a whole sausage. And it was so good. Sausages are nature's snacks. Cold sausage, cold cooked bacon, oh. I think are kind of the primo snack. Mm. You're protein boosting. You need, your, you need a protein boost. You need the protein. Yes, but it is 6.22 yes. at night. That's correct. And you are drinking a very powerful coffee. Because uh, I was so sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that works out for you later. Not good. No, it doesn't? I don't do, know. We'll do see. you stay awake longer or do you find that coffee doesn't affect you very much? Uh, it doesn't affect me usually that much unless I have one at like 10 or 11 p.m. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm so sensitive. I can't have chocolate after dinner. You'll go to little baby more. Or, <laughs> or I'll stay up. <laughs> And it drove me crazy one time. One time it got so bad. I was um, alone and very high and I wanted pudding, but I didn't have pudding. But you know what I did have? What? Plain yogurt and uh, chocolate cocoa powder. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Mar- uh, you know, no, no, pot, pot brain said, put these two things together. They make pudding. And I did. And it was delicious, but I was up till one o'clock in the morning. It's boy dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, well, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're we're willing. We're able. Oh. Our body is full of sausage. And we will see how long that lasts for. (laughs) And then we get the sleepy sausage time. (laughs) Now, one thing that the listener may not know Mm -hmm. is that I actually spent Christmas with you and the producer. That's right. We had Christmas together. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. We listened to Christmas music. We got zooted and did a puzzle. Yeah. And we watched a lot of thematic programming, along with the slightly less thematic Brady Bunch movie from 1995. (laughs) Which is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And is it because it has the monkeys in it? You not does it have oh it does have all the monkeys in it. No, Spoilers. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mickey and Davy both make appearance. Uh no no no. I just think it's I love when movies are when remakes, they're like, well, we can't do the same thing. Yeah. And we acknowledge that it's cheesy garbage. But what if they were in the real time? And what if like no one acknowledged that? So good. It was a fun watch. It was a fun watch. Very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. But of all the things we watched. What did we watch? There's one thing that is just sort of stuck around in my brain, wedged up against my hippocampus like a little piece of used chewing gum. What was it? Can you guess what it was? Was it Pee-wee's Christmas? No. Oh, my also top five favorite. Which we we discovered that you are sort of like a representation of you is Pee-wee's Christmas special. Yeah. And a representation of me is Garfield's Christmas special. (laughs) Yeah, we did watch that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I watched that by myself while you cooked. (laughs) What, what else did we watch? I totally forget. The 1995 Walt Disney World Christmas Parade. <gasps> we did watch that because it is tradition in my household whenever um, Christmas was a, was around. We just turn on the Christmas, oh. the, the Disney Parade. That's what we put on while we, you know, got breakfast and whatever. Wow. So we couldn't find the actual one. So we went to the 1995 one. Oh, one so good. One of three that we watched. Yes. <laughs> Hosted by Regis Philbin and Joan London, it took me right back to my TGIF watching Disney Adventure reading pre-anarcho self. Yes. That is, until around the one hour mark. Did you rewatch this? I mean, I had to go check. You had to go back. I had to make sure that it was in 
which one it was in of oh the three that we watched. The research that you had to do. <laughs> Boy, this doesn't even begin. Oh no, the hole that we're going down. <sighs> so around the one hour mark, the yeah. characters from the 1995 film Toy Story entered the scene. Yeah. All of our friends were there, uh-huh. like Mr. Potato Head and Slinky Dog. Yeah. And they were introduced by a platoon of body horror green army men yeah. on their very own float. They're like a gimp suit. Like they have it like It was a, fucked up. La- it was latex. It was fucked Maybe up. Maybe this is why I'm kind of into latex, actually. <laughs> Thinking yeah, about is, it. This is why. Thinking about it. <laughs> also, what's wild is we point out they had, like, guns. Yeah, they had, like, plastic uh It guns. looked like guns. And what looked like wheelless skateboards on their feet. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of, like, doing a truffle. Sh- okay, you know when you have your underpants around your... Yeah. Around your ankles? Oh, boy, do I. That- <laughs> That's the walk they were doing. They were. I don't think they, they can't have guns today. I would we imagine could not. not. What would they have? That would have been pre, pre nine oh, eleven, pre I'm um, post Columbine. When was Columbine? <sighs> Late nineties, yeah, right? Okay, so I think I that would remember. have been pre, pre. But I'm, I don't quote me on don't that. Don't go there. Don't go. I don't moment. remember everything. No, anyway. <laughs> on that float, yeah, they were reenacting the photograph taken. Oh! <laughs> February 23rd, 1945, of American soldiers raising the flag on the island of Iwo Jima. What? A choice. The second photograph, not the first one. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and Regis stood up and saluted. Yeah, he sure did. Fuck. Uh, and th- this got me thinking about yeah. the way that war and war heroism are packaged for children's entertainment. Mm. Fun note, the Iwo Jima photo was widely reproduced and parodied, but the first thing it was used to advertise were Series E war bonds, first introduced about yeah. a week after VE Day and sold until 1980. <laughs> Look, we got a. Re- it was a really expensive war, <laughs> and then we're kind of we're kind of in war with another country. You know those commies that we hate. We got to keep going. We got to keep it. Keep it yeah. rolling. Keep Just going, keep it rolling. The first generation to really be inundated with war heroism in media were the silent generation. Mm. Unsurprisingly, as they grew up during the interwar period and during the Second World War, just as media was becoming further internationalized and nationalist narratives could take hold more widely. Mm. For example, in Canada. The lack of access to American comic books during war rationing led to the publication of a comic book called The Canadian Whites, which <laughs> featured stories of military heroism. Something funny? Why? <laughs> what was... The- it was on white paper. Okay. Is oh, the- it's like the yellow papers in the... In is the-, the story. <laughs> it's like Trudeau's yellow papers. Yeah, exactly. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> The depictions of white settler Canadian soldiers stoked a very racially and imperially specific nationalism in its young readers. It also normalized the use of war toys like guns through action as well as advertisement. Gosh, okay. So it was it was like um shoot. It was like the the war Canadian war heroes yeah. of World War One. Um no, it would have been like of soldiers that were in World War Two, which was going okay. on as they were reading. Oh, okay, it. okay, okay. So it was made up, right? I would imagine most of it was, but yeah. they might have had, like, one or two spotlights on, okay. quote, famous, famous soldiers. Soldiers, sure. Like Elvis. <laughs> JK. <laughs> Today, there are countless children's books available on heroes of military conflict, and even a page on the National Geographic Kids website dedicated to animals who, quote, answered the call of duty, like Tuffy, one of the dolphins drafted into the U.S. Navy in 1960 to carry tools and supplies. So, I will tell you... Teaching social studies is a rip riot. 
when you work in Canada because you get provided a lot of materials. Like as soon as you are a social studies teacher, you get on a list oh. and they send you things. Yeah. Uh, like the Canadian History Museum, the Beaver. Mm. Um, also, there was a, um, just like you were talking about for kids, it was like the animals of Canadian wartime yeah. history. So there was like coloring books and sort of thing like that. The most buck wild one I went to was a workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, it promised about a different view on Canada's role in the Korean War. Oh. So I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I sign up. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. I walk in the little booklet they give all white soldiers. Oh. Like, so what view are we... What's the... That it was the, good? What's or? the view? So it was... The view that was different was from a soldier's point of view, which oh, okay. is very interesting. And it was put together by the Canadian and Korean consulate. Yeah. And it was a very, like, war made Korea good. Oh, God, no. And I just could not. And there was a Korean teacher next to me, like, um. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, friends, our social studies program is really being held together by... a. If, <laughs> By social studies teachers who, you know, think, think. <laughs> Good boy, God, boy, girl. Oh and by girl, I mean the Canadian public education system. <laughs> the stories I could tell. Uh, well, here's a story from former Navy officer and civilian dolphin trainer Rick O'Berry, <laughs> who revealed the sad fact that dolphins are not dependable. They are controlled by food. When they're full, they do not respond. Yes. This is exactly why we had five dolphins for the Flipper TV series. When Flipper number one had 10 pounds of food and was full, I lost control and I would bring out Flipper number two and so on. Wait, he also, okay, he was the Flipper trainer. Yeah. And he trained wartime dolphins. I don't know if he trained dolphins in the Navy. I know he was in the Navy and then he trained dolphins. I'm a little fuzzy on... (laughs) The timeline, the dolphin timeline. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like these dolphins. They're like, we'll work for food. And as soon as we're fucking bored, we're out of here. And you can't do shit. What are you going to do to a dolphin? Nothing. Well, what do they do? To reconcile this, the U.S. Navy fitted its cetaceans with an anti-foraging device, a piece of Velcro around the snout that prevented it from opening its mouth wide enough to eat on its own. So they... You'll eat when we say you can eat. Oh, my God. Soldier. So you better keep eating. Yeah. Because you don't know when you're going to eat again. Attention. Grunt. This is why... Okay. This is why they're um, (laughs) sinking boats now. Yes. They, it took a while for them to plan, it, uh, collectivize. It took a while. I mean, and, and that's sea, okay. sea lions were also part of this operation, so. Oh, God. It took a while to, because here's the thing, the oceans is big. Yeah. So if you're going to unionize your, your porpoises, um, it's going to take a while. Uh, but now they're ready. Direct action from the ocean. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But Tuffy and other heroic characters Tuffy. are not just a fun story. <laughs> By me- By many, narratives about heroism are seen as necessary for retaining particular qualities in a new generation of children. Well, this is like, they make heroes in social studies so kids are interested in history. Yeah. I mean, that's why, like, Columbus was made to be a hero because, eh, you know, we got to put something in this section of the textbooks that kids will remember. So let's pick a guy and then do that. And like, oh, let's not talk about the other stuff. <laughs> oh, we're not going to talk about that other stuff. But that's what it's like. Yeah. Do you make history really dry and 
whatever, you know, fact-based in terms of, like, this is what we know essentially maybe did happen. Or do you make a little rhyme about it? Or you make a little rhyme about it, you make it fun for kids, but you lie to them. (laughs) (laughs) A 2018 article from the State University of Malang, Indonesia, urges the need to introduce children to nationalist character education, creating a nationalist identity through the use of fairy tale characters and dance. Mm. The article notes that widespread foreign culture like language, dance, and clothing are a threat to the integrity of a country, and explains that with the digital revolution eroding nationalism, it needs to be integrated into the earliest stages of state education. So... I don't understand what they're trying to argue. This paper is arguing that you need to introduce kids to nationalism through folk heroes Uh, at a young age. Because what is eroding? Their culture. Oh. And their their national identity. So this is Because of other cultures. Got it. Entering. Oh, globalism, which I do agree with. (laughs) There is one thing I do agree with. I see, I see, I see. And in American schools, military heroism is reproduced for and by children in stories that precede even the First World War, with emphasis often placed on the American Revolution. Mm. My dog is fucking. <laughs> Tim, what are you doing in there? <laughs> fucking idiot! But you can't be a menace. He's going to be a menace. <laughs> The dog has entered the room. The folks. dog has entered the room. We had a short break. The dog was up on the other den, probably barking at snow. He hates fallen snow. Like, he, I don't know what vendetta ha- has, but he hates it. So now I'm like slightly bent over petting him. Because here's the thing. His favorite papa is gone. Yes. And I'm other papa. He's licking my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most commonly known children's songs enduring 240 years of repetition is the tale of a fictional hero named Yankee Doodle. Yeah. Of course, Mr. Doodle didn't start out as a hero. He was a dandy. He was a dandy. Wait, is this about Yankee Doodle? No, briefly. 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 Just like it was briefly about dolphins. For for a moment, it could have been about Yankee Doodle and then something happened to me. Oh, no. Which we'll get to. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to it. Dating back to 15th century Holland, the tune to Yankee Doodle was utilized by British soldiers to insult their American opponents. Oh. Doodle's erstwhile macaroni referred not to a piece of pasta. But the macaroni people. Exactly. Yeah. The, macar- the macaroni you know, the people. Mac- the Italians, right? No. no. <laughs> you know, the macaroni well, people. In a way, yeah. yes. Instead, it referred to a fashion craze that was initially yeah. embraced by British aristocrats, which they did develop on their grand tours that they did, seeing yeah. this sort of fashion in, in other countries like Italy. A lot of um, feathers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. a decade after the start of the macaroni craze, well after the Yanks steeped the harbor in Boston, yeah. macaronis had become known for their feminine-leaning androgyny, uh. described by the Oxford magazine thusly. There is indeed a kind of animal, neither male nor female, yes. a thing of neuter gender, yes. lately started up among us. Yes. It is called a macaroni. Ugh. It talks without meaning. It smiles without pleasure. It eats without appetite. It rides without exercise. It wenches without passion. They were not so into it. About no. 10 years after the craze started, they I were guess, like, we don't like this so much. I guess not. I we guess think not. We, we don't like you anymore. <laughs> so... Essentially, the initial and enduring popularity of Yankee Doodle was the British saying, you guys are fucking fags. And the Americans responding, oh, yeah, well, these fags just kicked your ass back to Britain. That's what you have to say. <laughs> Look, 
Ethan Allen's over here. Yeah. He is, you know. You know. Um, there's there's a great book about Washington's gay, like, right-hand man. Yeah. They were there. They were there. They were there. They were fighting outside Ticonderoga. <laughs> they were crossing the Delaware. You are America build. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, man, I took an oath and everything. Wow. Sorry. Well, the legacy of Yankee Doodle still lives on in media franchises like Top Gun, which shows the military aviators who dish out violence and destruction as heroic and admittedly also pretty faggy fun time boys. Oh, God. Funded by the U.S. military to engender a cool desirability in the act of piloting a war machine. All I can think about is a macaroni piloting an F-16 with the big big ponytail. Yeah, and with the mask down. Wow, what a look. Maverick wasn't the first military pilot even to inspire idolatry from kids and adults alike. Okay. The heroism of the flying aces from both world wars have been yeah. marketed to kids since they were still in the air. Billy Bishop, baby. Baby. Now here's where we leave the beaten path a little bit. Okay, Al. I just like, and everyone, I like to point out, we started with the 1995 Christmas Disney <laughs> Parade. I went on a ride. I went on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> We're going somewhere. <laughs> Mr. Toad slipped me something, and I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I love how you're like, now we're deviating from the path. But if I had a MapQuest roadmap, <laughs> I would not be able to find our way from then- thence to here. <laughs> My beautiful mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. Even as I was thinking and planning this episode about war heroism. Yeah. I, I really didn't even know how deep the rabbit hole went. Yes. As a little peek behind the mic for our listeners, I often bookmark or save a lot of links for episodes before I actually sit down to write it. Okay. If the title or the opening paragraph looks relevant. I would say about a quarter of those don't actually get used or make it onto the reference yes. list. This would have been one of those. Now, before we get into it, I would like us to ask ourselves, what is a hero? I just <sighs> think it's propaganda. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I think yeah. I think that's I don't, absolutely. I don't I don't know if we have like what the 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 hero that we sell kids and stuff. I just think it's it's propaganda for a very specific way of life that maybe a federal government is like, yes, please be this way. That it benefits them for yes. us to follow. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and you know, we might have individual heroes in our own lives. I sure do. I have people that I look up to that yeah. I want to emulate in, in my actions, but like I would never call those people a hero. Maybe a role model? I think I think part of it is because the state assumes control over us. Yeah. It, um, we no longer have that instinctive, like, need to help others like we would need in a more close-knit community. Yes. So the state needs to instill those in us another way. Yeah. It's like when we... Remember, hey, remember when we used to, like, bang pots at 7 o'clock for our quote-unquote heroes? Uh, we yeah. we love doing that. That was a lot. We were recording during that. Yeah, we... we remember? It, there was, it, it a, happened, pot. There was yeah. a boy banging the pot. <laughs> that boy was out there. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through a lot together. We have. <laughs> for another definition of a hero, I'd like to turn to a paper I encountered titled The Flying Ace as a Hero, an analysis of representations of Douglas Bader and Eric Hartman by Arash Pashakanlu of Swedish Defense University, a bastion of higher education that I did not initially clock when I saved the link. Nor did I clock the name of the journal in which it was published, an interdisciplinary journal entitled Heroism Science. What is going on? 
Is this when you're like, there are moments where you click a link and you start reading and you go, sorry? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I said it three more times. <laughs> now, this paper takes a close look at representations of two World War II fighter pilots, Royal Air Force pilot Douglas Bader and Eric Hartman of the Luftwaffe. Mm-mm-mm. And that's how I'll be saying it. Yeah. The author examines cultural depictions of these two using a four-factor framework. <laughs> oh my God. Those four factors are values, characteristics, fear, and suffering. Say them again. Values. Values. Characteristics. Characteristics. Fear. And suffering. <laughs> this is what you need to have to be a hero. Now, once I got to this part, this was when I took a closer look at the journal title and the author, and then I kept reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, sorry, you went, sorry? Sorry? <laughs> the author introduces the concept of a hero like this. The word hero is derived from Greek and means protector or defender. Mm. Although heroes have been portrayed and discussed since the dawn of civilization, theoretical or data-driven scholarly inquiry into heroism only seriously emerged in the 1980s. I believe that. I believe it did. Yeah. Can't say why. <laughs> you can't? No, I can. <laughs> okay, interesting. Absolutely fucking garbage, but I'm yeah. digging around in there for a bone or a banana peel, and brother, I found a whole drumstick. When the author began to elucidate on the criteria for suffering. Yeah. Oh, no. Suffering refers to the hero's ability to endure physical and mental pain. It can lead to emotional, spiritual, and behavioral well-being that may in turn result in self-improvement and a desire to make positive contributions to one's group, community, or nation. Oh, no. Specifically, it has been argued that suffering has at least six potential benefits. One, it has redemptive qualities. Two, it signifies important developmental milestones. Three, it fosters humility. Four, it elevates compassion. Five, it encourages social union and action. And six, it provides meaning and purpose. This is... Okay. Do you remember Bean Dad? Yes. 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 <laughs> this is the bean dads of the world of, I need to make it as difficult as possible for my child so they have character. It builds character. This is the, like, light version of what this guy is on. <laughs> now, many of our listeners from different religious and theological backgrounds to myself will have immediately understood what's <sighs> happening here. But I... I was raised by militant atheists, and I had just discovered a, quote, academic article describing six reasons why suffering is good, actually. A point of of view I was genuinely not familiar with. It is very, like, Christian Catholic. Yes. Oh. And I read this, and it had never occurred to me that there were people in the world that thought suffering was good. There's a lot of people in the world. And I I did not know. (laughs) Because their whole thing is like, why does God make people suffer? It's okay. There's a reason to it. Yeah. That's their whole thing. Yeah, that was... Fucking buck wild. They missed me with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I looked up the citation for this rubric and found some really fresh thinking. Scott T. Allison is a professor emeritus of psychology at the University of Richmond. His area of study is exclusively in leadership and heroism. And yes, he's written several books. I could, how do you get into this? Like the 2010 Oxford University Press volume, Heroes, colon, What They Do and Why We Need Them. <clears throat> the description of this... Hey, wait, heroes, huh, what they do... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it. Okay. I liked it. The description of this book opens, Abraham Lincoln. No. Princess Diana. What? Rick in Casablanca. 
Why do we perceive? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not an editor. I'm not. I don't have a PhD. Uh-huh. I have a post degree. That's it. Let me. Okay, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Okay, he wrote things. Yeah. And he was president during a war. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Princess Diana. Um, she did, you know, she was a uh, very, um, I'm trying to... Smoking hot. Yeah, she was number one smoking hot. And that's important. <laughs> uh, she, maybe she did a lot of things like recognizing AIDS as like yes. not, okay. Who is the third one? Oh, that was um, Rick from <laughs> Casablanca. <laughs> You couldn't have picked a real person. <laughs> if you can't pick... Hey? If you can't pick a real person, then maybe your argument... <laughs> maybe you should look back. Maybe you should go back and just <sighs> edit yourself. Oh, my God. The description of this book goes on to no. explain that the book discusses a broad range of heroes, including Eleanor Roosevelt... Walt Kowalski in Gran Torino, Senator Ted Kennedy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can I just tell you my brain went into space? Yeah. Because I thought you said Eleanor Roosevelt Mm. and then Ted Kennedy, but in the middle I thought you saw I thought you said a character from Gran Turismo. And it sent me right to space. I said Gran Torino. Yes, I know. And that's <laughs> another thing entirely, but still just as funny. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Uh, and the final one in that list, Explorer Ernest Shackleton. <laughs> but he... But, but, <laughs> it's... it's. I'm gonna he just, died out there. I, he didn't... Wasn't he the guy who brought a piano to the fucking... Yeah, he got fucking stuck like a bitch. (laughs) It is like... (laughs) This podcast is just about this PhD, this professor. Because it is like he went to, like, back to kindergarten. It's like he has a child who's in grade one. And they're like, who is a hero? And then the kids pick, like, (laughs) like Eleanor Roosevelt. (laughs) Or... That guy from Gran Turismo. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, if you're saying to yourself... What? I can't relate to any of these crusty no. old heroes. Where are the ones I'm familiar with? <laughs> yeah, from Gran Turismo. <laughs> I'd like to suggest a little book from 2018 called Heroes and Villains of the Millennial Generation, Volume 2. Oh, I cannot wait. My body is prepared. So this book is based on a survey of 200 millennials asked to list their heroes and villains. Number one, villain, Shane Dawson. <laughs> you got any more? You want to guess any more? <laughs> Number two, uh, he- hero, Mr. Beast. Number three, villain. Um, uh, I feel like you're hitting more Gen Z there. Oh, is it? Yeah. I think, oh, you don't think there are generations? I mean, really young ones. I guess really long. Younger. It's a pretty wide net, I guess. That's true. I don't know our heroes. Who are our heroes? Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, Donald Trump, Whoa. Hillary Clinton, parents, Teachers, Edward Snowden, Batman, Lance Armstrong, Mother Teresa, and Severus Snape. Is he misconstruing people's heroes versus people who are, like, obsessed? Like, people are obsessed and, like... Well, the, this, the, the millennials were asked, who are your heroes and villains? 
And these were some of the people that they wrote in that you oh, focused on in too. the book. Okay, that makes sense. Villains, too. I thought it was all heroes. But I just, like, I can't deal with the in- inclusion of parents and teachers. And then two fictional characters, Batman and Severus Snape. Okay, but no, I understand our generation because, okay, lukewarm answers would be parents and teachers. Yeah. Because that is, like, what we're taught, like, who's going to be your hero? And, like, my dad. Teachers are my heroes and teachers- parents are my villains. Yes. <laughs> That's very us-coded. That is us-coded. Right? Just our generation of like, okay, what do you want to hear? Here's the answer I'm going to spit out. Yeah. Uh, Severus Snape, Snape, we, there's a whole generation of fucking Harry Potter people who cannot let go. No. So I understand about that. Yeah. Uh, Lance Armstrong, I'm interested to see if he was in the villain or the heroes because he was, he's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah. And this was 2018, so we knew. We knew. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm so, can I say, I'm so glad we bought, ordered a big dinner because my brain hurts. <laughs> sorry? Thank you. Sorry? <laughs> now, of course, this is all a lot about heroes and not a lot about suffering. And so I bring you an article written for Psychology Today by none other than Scott T. Allison. That article is entitled, Want to Be a Hero? Embrace Suffering and Sacrifice, which sets out the exact six positive qualities of, of suffering from the aforementioned journal and article on flying aces. Ugh. Now I'll spare you the guts and read you just the final paragraph. Okay. Great heroic leaders understand that suffering redeems, augments, defines, humbles, elevates, mobilizes, and enriches us. These enlightened leaders not only refuse to allow suffering and sacrifice to defeat them, semicolon, they use suffering and sacrifice as assets to be mined for psychological advantages and inspiration. Individuals who successfully plumb the spiritual treasures of suffering and sacrifice have the wisdom and maturity to evolve into society's most transcendent leaders. This is Jesus coded. Yes. This is like he died. He had to suffer. He died. He died. he, He did it. He did do it. He did do that ding dang. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then the world's better off and he's a hero. This fucking sucks, dude. But it's also so much like you put a suffering coin in the psychological advantage machine and out comes a heroism gumball. Look, we've both suffered. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my gumball? Where's my gumball? <laughs> <laughs> now, just below that, there's a note explaining that this article is pulled from a chapter co-authored by Scott T. Allison. And please understand that I do need to say his entire name every time. Yeah. In a book entitled Frontiers in Spiritual Leadership, Discovering the Better Angels of Our Nature. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. So, it's just Christianity. Yeah, it's all Christianity. I didn't, I'm not like, okay, so I don't like know stuff about religion. No. When it comes to this, I'm like Sergeant Joe Friday from Dragnet, you know, like just the facts, ma'am. Uh, I know he didn't say that. Don't write in. He's my hero. <laughs> Let's put him on the list. Anyways, this is a story all about how I learned that the concept of redemptive suffering is a major pillar of Christian theology and that a lot of people believe suffering is ultimately a net good. And I understand so much more about the world than I did a week ago. Now say that again, but as the, um, this is a story. All about how. <laughs> but also, um, just to literally play devil's advocate for a moment. God, ow. Doesn't that create a fallacy and a major pillar of Christian doctrine? Aren't I supposed to worship Jesus because he suffered for my sins? Like, sorry, it builds character, apparently. Maybe you should thank me? Wait, what's the what's the problem? Yeah, like, they said that this is what builds character. Oh, Jesus suffered for our sins. Yeah. Like, oh, you have to do everything for him. Everything. What? I did him a favor. What you, that probably made him a hero. Wait. <laughs> my sins he had to suffer for? Helped him in the end, didn't it? Made him a better leader. Wait, your sins? You yeah. weren't alive back then. Well, that's the thing is that Jesus suffers for all of our sins. All the time? Yes. That's why you're not supposed to do it. Oh, he... Pre- 
Wait. <laughs> okay, we're all discovering something we're new all, about we Christian. We all are. Okay, so every... He died for your sins. So he's like... Painfully. Before... <laughs> he's like, before I die, I gotta take account of everyone who is ever gonna live in the future. Yeah, this is the idea, yes. Every time they jerk off, <laughs> every time they have premarital sex, every time they fucking stick one up someone's butt... I die for that. Yeah, in that's what, these are the nails that are I'm in, that so are many in me there's to the so cross. Many, there's so many nails. This is the idea. They can't. They that, can't. That's so but dumb. But also, you're welcome. Because without me sinning, then he's got You nothing. wouldn't have been such a great leader. You're, <laughs> I. I've sinned a lot. You suffered for me. <laughs> you're welcome. It's, apparently it's good. Wait, you could just be like. I hate this. Because <laughs> you could be like, someone could be like, oh, all the fucking fascist dictators, they caused a lot of suffering and they made heroes and that's good. Are you fucking kidding me? This is what these people are saying. Well, okay. I think this is... the reason Except they're why, only saying it about white Western people. The reason why they're saying this is there's never a good answer to why people suffer. Yeah. Right? The, the answer they don't want to hear is, well... You know, it's we're on this earth and it's kind of random and there's no point to suffering. Yeah, and, and that sucks. But like it's random and sometimes you get caught in a bad situation and sometimes you don't survive it and sometimes you do, and hopefully you get therapy afterwards. And it's like that's not a good enough answer. Yeah, the answer is like no, no, no. There's a purpose to this, mm-hmm. and if people find out that or feel like there's a purpose to this, then maybe they feel better. Yeah, I mean, I under I understand that, and I understand that characterizing suffering as having positive outcomes helps you manage and compartmentalize your own misfortune because you tell yourself that it's okay because your suffering has the potential to make you a great leader or more compassionate or morally enriched somehow. Yeah. But it also makes it incredibly easy to write off the suffering of other people. Yeah. Especially when it's happening. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Like if if someone. Yes. Oh, oh, they're starving children or the the literally children dying in great numbers right now. Yeah. Well, oh, God has a purpose. Exactly. Are you fucking kidding me? It's hard because when you, I mean, you and I both have suffering in our lives in terms of like chronic illnesses. And it's hard to, because when I was at my lowest, um, a lot of it was like, why me? And it, it's hard to say, well, it's not you it's just like a thing that happens and sometimes it happens to you sometimes it doesn't yeah and it's really hard to process and i understand that i mean i just it it doesn't feel like it should be a controversial opinion that no one should have to suffer for any reason Mm. yeah well yeah so about that commercial ow may i remind you (laughs) not but 40 minutes ago We were talking about the 1995 (laughs) Disneyland Christmas Parade. (laughs) And now we're here talking about stuff we do not understand. Yep. I hate this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Linda Rain Robertson, in her book, The Dream of Civilized Warfare, World War I Flying Aces and the American Imagination, explains that cultural imagery and the concept of clean civilized warfare sold the necessity of American air superiority to American politicians and the public, despite being based on a fantasy. Are we doing Red Baron pizza? No. Okay. (laughs) That was my guess. That was a good guess. That was a good guess. That was a good guess. 
Narratives of war, peace, and heroism utilized the embellished stories of World War I aviators to sell an entirely new branch of the American military, and the Air Force's imperialist mandate has since evolved into the internet age in terrifying and destructive ways. And the way we sell it to the public hasn't changed much either, from the return of Iceman, Aviators, and Volleyball in 2022's Top Gun sequel... Fucking amazing movie. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if it was uh, fucking it, military it, propaganda, hey, man. You do you, do you bro. <laughs> to a pair of little-known serial mascots introduced by General Mills in what? 1972. Oh! I do know these do you know guys. These guys? They're like little, like, biplane things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming in at number eight on HuffPost's list of the eight great General Mills serial heroes that deserve a reboot, it's Sir Grapefellow and Baron Von Redberry. Ow. You need a minute? <laughs> you okay? Can I just say about this whole thing, the whole situation you've got us in? Sorry? Sorry? <laughs> there were many times writing this when I paused and went, this is very stupid. <laughs> you just... Wow. Wow. We wow. did it. We did it. As described by a Wayback Machine capture of a page on food.pop-cult.com from July 2018, Sir Grapefellow seemed to be a British World War I pilot who touted his own grape-flavored breakfast treat. His enemy was, of course, Baron Von Redberry, who countered with his own vaguely fruit-punch-flavored confection. Hapless American children were asked to choose between two charismatic fellows, but Sir Grapefellow, who represented democracy, usually came out ahead. Wait, you got to choose, like, Well, they, the, they were pitted against... Yeah, so there were two cereals. Oh. Sir Grapefellow and Baron Von Redberry. Could you imagine? You're the kid who gets Baron Von Redberry, and it's like, oh, you're into the Kaiser? <laughs> That's the Kaiser cereal. <laughs> oh, you support the Huns? <laughs> Additional sources reveal that Baron Von Redberry's cereal flavor was most likely intended to be raspberry, and of course both men had their own flavor of Marbit sprinkled among the oat-based cereal. I Grape is a miss. I think it is a miss. I agree. I don't know. Gr- fake grape. Su- I don't fake like. Grape. No. 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 Absolutely Bad. not. Todd Fry, who authored this page on food.pop-cult.com, yep. concludes his historiography by embellishing with a saccharine longing for those serial heroes of the past. I was going to say, what does he think a hero is? <laughs> Here's hoping General Mills one day sees the light and returns Sir Grapefellow and his dastardly hun antagonist to the airways of a hero-starved America. What does he think about Rick from Casablanca? <laughs> gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta know. Does he think Lance Armstrong is a hero or a villain? I have to know. (laughs) Now, my personal connection to the cultural push for heroism is that I, of course, studied screenwriting both at university and at film school. And that's that's your suffering. And that's my suffering. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're my hero. And so I've spent several years being beaten half to death by Joseph Campbell, Christopher Vogler, and Blake fucking Snyder. (laughs) And there is one guiding light at the end of the It's a Small World-esque tunnel built from cultural confections of Western hero worship in which we all find ourselves. And it's that every day there are more and more voices in literature, film, and TV oozing outside the seams of establishmentarian narratives by saying, what if I don't want to be a fucking hero? (laughs) And even more relatably, what if I don't want to go on a journey? What if I just want to stay home? (laughs) In closing... I'd like to leave you with the esteemed words of Chad Kroger as written for the soundtrack of the 2002 film Spider-Man. <laughs> and they say that a hero could save us. And they say that a hero could save us. I'm not. Not gonna stand here and wait. Not gonna stand here and wait. <laughs> there was something about a wings of the eagle. On the wings of the eagle. <laughs> watch as they all fly away. <laughs> 
Was that Chad? That's Chad. Chad wrote that. It had a bunch of other people on the actual track, but Chad wrote it. It starts with it starts with the line, I'm so high, I can hear heaven. Which he got because a friend was on a mountain and said that to him. And he thought, that's a song. I'll put that. And he's like, he got out his little leather bag and he wrote it down. Wow. Beautiful. Do you want to see the commercial? Yeah. <laughs> it's technically two commercials. Okay, that's Because there's one for each man. There is one for each man. So I will judge which one is the bigger hero. <laughs> okay. are, he, are you one of the Kaiser's men? <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, you find out, too, by watching these commercials. They are in our sources. We'll return after these messages. feelings okay well there was a lot of suffering yeah mine yeah <laughs> and our listeners i would imagine <laughs> sorry about this one folks sorry no sorry? i'm not apologizing to you <laughs> um okay so it's it's the two the yeah. two guys sir grapefellow and, and Baron von redberry a very spy versus spy thing. yes exactly but it's not like a lot of violence it's just like they're both trying to land their plane and then the plane doesn't land very sort of good. like a goofy mr and mrs smith they're remaking that, hey? Oh. They have remade it? Anyway. <sighs> My brain is... <laughs> I think it's because I'm hungry. Yeah. But I also... You rattled me. <laughs> Did I? Okay. So the grape man yeah. is too British. Yes, he's, he's a- tall, long, snooty nose. You know when you, you know when you have to show like someone's British and snooty. You know what they look. You like. make him a little. You make him a little snooty. You know, <laughs> tall, lanky, that sort of thing. Seems like he doesn't have a wife named Muffy, but he does. <laughs> a muffer. Uh, he's taller than the plane. Like yes. He's, yeah, he's, he's very a, tall. He's a tall, tall guy. Tall man. And the red berry, he's short. Yes. He's tiny. He he you can't see you can't see his eyes because his little German helmet is yeah. over his eyes. I like that. The character design is cute. They're pretty they're pretty cute guys. They're cute. I just like you can't choose the German one, can you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean everyone was obsessed with the Red Baron. Thanks to Snoopy. Yeah. I thought that's where you were going to go. No. I thought that's... <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a treat. Was, I'm sorry. Do you not <laughs> consider this a treat? No! Okay. <laughs> how long was the serial in... How long was the serial oh, no, going I can't for? imagine it was long. And do you know who won? No one the won. The serial wars? The General Mills won. 
They were both General Mills cereals. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically, Sir Grapefellow, if you look at history. I guess I guess technically. Um and that, I don't know, man. The coolest thing about the two commercials are the little toys. Yeah, you do get little toys. Uh one of the grape guy, his toy was a little hovercraft and you had a little plastic like car boat thing and then you blow up a balloon and then you plug it into the thing and it hovers and that's super cool. That's pretty cool. That's dope as shit. And the other one is like iron on patches for your cereal and you are going to get beaten up if you do come to school with one of those patches on you. And you got to choose. Do you want to you want the Sir Grapefellow or do oh you want God. the Redberry? These are the like gangs of the 1980s. <laughs> like in elementary schools. Could yeah. you imagine? Or could you imagine you thought you were cool and you had this like cereal thing on your thing and it was just like. <laughs> Where are you going, Kaiser boy? <laughs> this is oh, how... you love the Germans. <laughs> this is how I'm going to make friends. <laughs> God. So the toy, I do am nostalgic for like cereals with toys. Yeah. Because they don't do that anymore. Now you gotta, like, you have a QR code. It's all AI now. It's all AI now. That's 2024. It's 2024. And cereal's different now. Oh, the war started 110 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) And we're gonna bring back these heroes. Are we? But in order to make them true heroes, we gotta make them suffer. Oh, they gotta suffer. The red berry and grape are going to POW camps. Oh, no. <laughs> rip, rip. <laughs> what are they? What happens? Did someone so, take okay. all their marbits away? Yeah. So here's the thing: when you get into the marbits wars, <laughs> it is it is a cold. <laughs> I feel like Lucky Charms want that leprechaun won the Marbet Wars. So here's the thing: they're flying through the air. Yeah, and um, they get hit from behind. The oh. planes go down. Someone hits it from behind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, then you got it. yeah, and it is Comrade Cherry. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, he has a tank, <laughs> and he's blowing them out of the sky. And they do go to <laughs> Cherry Prison. And I think they go to the cherry mines where they have to, like, dig out. <laughs> they don't go to the chulog. <laughs> they go to the chulog. <laughs> so My brain sorry. is so rattled. I don't know if this is in good taste or not. <laughs> it's certainly not. Anyway, they're suffering. They're suffering. And then and they, it makes them better heroes. It makes them better heroes. And now you have a third character. Yeah. Damn Comrade Cherry. Now, America is going to ban this cereal very quickly. Very quickly. (laughs) It's like also not made by General Mills, but it's made by like a secret (laughs) sex company. It just puts it on the shelves. But I like to imagine, okay, do you know those really hot communist propagandas? Yeah. That was the representation of uh, the Soviet Russia and the representation of um, communist China. Yeah. And they were gay and they were boyfriends. Yes. Those are, those are, those That's are That's what this is? That's what this okay, is. Okay, great. They're there. I'm so glad. <laughs> and I will be buying their cereal. <laughs> 
Uh, it does taste like cardboard. Enjoy, kids. It does taste bad. Oh, yeah. They're I all, cannot, they all taste god-awful, so and they're bad, so bad for so you. So bad. Especially when they're, like, they're not making any new grape and red berry cereal. So you, well, they've made now Special K Red Berry. No, no, no. No, they're not making any new boxes. They're just, it's dead stock. Oh, it's dead stock. They're just oh, bringing I see it for, back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very good. <laughs> Dead stock from 1972. Oh, God. Could you imagine what it tastes like? Heinous. Anyway, that's what... I love it. Thank I think you. it's great. Thank you. It's cute. I think we need something dumb. For the love of God, please. I think we need something dumb. And I'm going to go to the little uh, Google list that you made me. Yeah. And... Um, ooh, I know. And I'm going to go to, of course, our VIP, Daryl. <laughs> thank uh, you, Daryl. Thank you, Daryl. And Daryl sent us... Um, Something from Texas. It's called Dollar Western Wear, and I am Ooh. stoked about this one. If you'd like to watch this local ad, you can go to our sources. For the best selection of Western Wear at a fantastic price, you gotta go to Dollar Western Wear. We're gonna treat you right. For branding boots, shirts, jeans, and hats, you only find right here. You're gonna save money, and that's a fact that Dollar Western Wear. For great prices and selection, it's Dollar Western Wear. Dollar Western Wear's the place. And I get. Folks? Daryl, you saved us. Daryl, this rules. This fucking rocks. The voice on this man, fantastic. He's the, Golden of an pipes. Angel. <laughs> Did he suffer? He must have. Those boots must be pension. <laughs> yeah. It was like a, a big like produced number. They must have had to do it over and they, over. I could just imagine. So it's it's him singing. He's 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 very Garth Brooks esque. Yeah. Uh, with the tall black hat and black shirt, and he's got his uh, guitar. He sure does. And he's going through like it's a huge store. It's a warehouse boy howdy. And there's just people dancing, flipping, square dancing, twirling. You got the you got the fucking the fine. It must be the uh, rally team or the cheerleaders who are yeah. doing all the flips, right? They got them from the local high school. They're going nuts. Like. And then the zoom out, and it's a yeah. group shot. Fantastic. Very good. Choreography. Loved Choreography, it. Loved it. They're going to have to do a lot of... They did a lot of it. Yeah. They went all afternoon. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, he yeah. ain't kidding. And he... Hey, I ain't kidding. <laughs> Perfect. A great one. That was lovely. lovely. That was refreshing. If you have something that will brighten our day that is <laughs> choreographed, uh, you can send it to us at creeps at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can also find us on Kofi yeah. and Instagram, yeah. TikTok, and... Yeah. We're on TikTok? Oh, yeah. You haven't yeah. TikToked. I made one for the last episode. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at you. <laughs> I'm not on the TikTok. And the TikTok. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what, where else? I don't know. Other places. Just you'll find it. You'll it's find fine. It. Don't worry about it. It's good. I That took so much out of me. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll see you in two weeks, folks. Until next time, we, we are, are signing, signing off. I did a lot of suffering today. <laughs> you did. And they say that a hero can save us. I'm not going to stand here and wait.